Well, here we are, post-Easter, second Sunday of Easter. Sun is shining. Some of us are wearing short sleeves today. And it's a new day. But as the gospel shows us, it doesn't mean that all is well in our souls, as Thomas will soon reveal to us. And so we pick up this story after we've heard from Todd's sermon last week from Mark's gospel, the sorrow of the women at the empty grave gave way to amazement and fear. We pick it up from there, and now in John's gospel, the closest followers, the closest followers of Jesus are huddled together behind locked doors for fear of the authorities. So the sun may be shining, but they have experienced the sudden horrific death of Jesus, and they are afraid of the long arm of the authorities may reach them. Now, perhaps they're afraid of the Roman authorities, but John specifically says the Jewish authorities. Did they meet that Easter evening, that first Easter evening, because they wanted to make sense of the report of the empty tomb by Peter and that so-named other disciple? Did they believe Mary Magdalene's report that Jesus is alive, had risen? Were they trying to put two and two together? We cannot be certain, but we do know that they were afraid of discovery by the authorities. And they got together that evening, the same day that Mary reported that Jesus was alive. And they were united in their fear. Let's pray. Lord, what shall we do with our fears and questions? We have fears about our lives and our death. We have fears about our success and our failures. And we want you to encourage us when we are skeptical. We want your peace to be real in our lives in the midst of joy and fear and doubt. Lord, unite us in our fears. Amen. There are three distinct snapshots in this text of the Gospel of John. Mary's, I have seen the Lord, sets us up for these three scenes. And so behind the closed doors, on the first day of the week, Jesus appears to these ten disciples and says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And without asking them for proof, Jesus shows them his wounds. They are filled with joy, but they don't feel this peace of Christ until they see his hands and his feet. Again, Jesus says, peace be with you. But this time, it's more of a commissioning, more of a uh, a sending forth kind of a peace be with you as you go. God's Spirit is described as this advocate in chapter 14, but advocacy for what, we might ask? The mission of forgiveness is what Jesus says in this commissioning, the very foundation of this new community of Jesus' followers. So in effect, Jesus says, receive the Holy Spirit as God's power for the forgiveness of sins. Swartley describes this giving, uh, forgiving and retaining as Forgiveness of the sins from the past, 
while at the same time leaving room for the possibility of forgiveness to overcome sins of the present, where restitution is still possible. Forgive the past while returning, retaining the possibility of present forgiveness. The power to forgive and retain is how Jesus says, peace be to you. Go and do this and be this. The second snapshot, verses 24 to 26. Enter Thomas. For whatever reason, he was not with the other disciples to hear these words of commissioning to receive this peace of Christ. But they tell him, in the words of Mary Magdalene, we, we have seen the Lord. And I can imagine his response, can't you? Easy for you to say, you were there. So maybe Thomas is saying to himself, well, that's easy for you to say, Peter, you're the one who always talks first and acts first without thinking. Why should I believe you? Thomas does not hesitate to be skeptical with his inquiring mind. He wonders whether Jesus really is risen from the dead. Mark Buchanan, who wrote an article in Christianity Today some years ago, a pastor notes that skepticism means to look at a matter very closely, very closely, to examine it, to study with great care and detail. He also writes that there's a caution to be to be observed here, a caution about doubt. And he would say that caution is that skepticism can never be fully satisfied. It demands proof. The desire for certainty sometimes can never be enough, can drown out answers. But then he writes that also there is a defense of doubt, and that is the refusal to look at matters closely is almost the same as blindness. And perhaps it is. Buchanan observes that Thomas doubted not to excuse his unbelief, but to try to establish his belief, to find roots for it. And so I'm thinking to myself, Thomas represents skeptical thought then, later in the developing Christian community to whom John writes, and now regarding Jesus' resurrection and faith in general. So back to the story, Thomas is not about to believe the witness of the other ten. He needs his own encounter with Jesus. He needs to find his place with the death of his Lord and God. And this talk of space is one which some of us were sitting with on Friday with the Wendell Berry Friday's poetry retreat, Know Thy Place and Tend It. And Berry writes about the importance for each of us to find our space and our place. He, in essence, says, get to know the space that is around you. That is, that is most important. That's the only space you can really interact with and can control to a certain expect or in respect or have, a, have an effect on. He writes also about this thing of big solutions and small solutions. And he writes about sometimes how we feel so frustrated about the big solutions, which we, we just wish somebody would just take care of this. We wish the government would do it or the church or, or God or my parents would just take care of this big problem that I have. And Barry reminds us that the only thing we can really deal with are the small solutions right in front of us. Small solutions of space in our land, in our neighborhood, in our families, in our work.
our faith partners. So Thomas is, is this believer who, with a curious mind, faces Jesus' resurrection with an inquiring and skeptical kind of approach. He can't answer the big question about Jesus' resurrection. He can't prove it. The only thing he can do is interact with his own space. But there is more to Thomas than this label that has been given him. In chapter 11, when Jesus is going to Lazarus, even though he was warned not to go to Judea, who is it that says, well, let's just go and follow him and we'll die with him? It wasn't Peter. It was Thomas. In chapter 14, when Jesus says he will go and prepare a place for them, Jesus, uh, Thomas doesn't get it. So he inquires. Well, Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How in the world are we supposed to know how to follow you? How can we know the way? So John's gospel shows a broader picture of Thomas as one who is quick to believe what he's shown and ready to follow Jesus, but is slow to accept what seems unreasonable. Third snapshot, 26 to 29. A week later, from the first Sunday, again, first day of the week, Thomas is there. Maybe he's not about to miss this chance to see for himself. And so with doors that are still shut, real doors and maybe metaphorical doors, Jesus appears to them with the same words, peace be with you. He looks Thomas in the eye and says, see my wounds, touch them. Do not doubt, but believe. Or do not be an unbeliever, but believe. My Lord and my God. It's the wounds that convince Thomas. It's the wounds. We're not quite sure if Thomas ever touches Jesus' wounds, but because Jesus offers himself to Thomas, here I am wounded, Jesus, and you are wounded too, Thomas. I'm here to meet you in your woundedness. And like Thomas, to see wounds in our space, to get in touch with our wounds, to touch wounds that can give new life, is the process of an inquiring mind and an open heart. Glenn Guyton, the chief operating officer for Mennonite Church USA, touches on this whole thing of an inquiring mind as leaders. For today's leaders, he says, have, have to operate on verified facts, not just the cries of the crowd, of which there are many. As leaders, he writes, we must do the following. Keep social media feedback in its proper perspective. Don't become trolls and publicly demean people. Don't like and frequent sites that we don't really believe in. Don't match up with our values. Check the facts and use facts with compassion. And I might add, we might add, discover people's wounds. Guyton concludes his point, we cannot ignore people's fear even if it's irrational, but we also have an obligation to say, peace 
be still. Then we must communicate in a manner that is hopeful, informative, and clearly addresses the concerns of the people involved, or we might say that addresses the wounds of the people involved. And Jesus closes this snapshot with the words, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's where we are today, aren't we? Of course, we haven't seen the physical Jesus. And so we are, we are told we are blessed if we are believe, if we believe and have not seen. Recalling those words that, that Isaac read this morning from the letter to John, letter of John to this faith community many years after this gospel setting. We declare to you what was from the beginning, beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. These are written so you may come to believe. What a great connection, I think. What a great connection between the words of Thomas, my Lord and my God, and John's letter to another group of believers many years later. This early gathering of believers had something that many 21st century groups of Jesus followers are yearning to set to have for themselves. A sense of unity based upon the eyewitnesses of Jesus' life and death. It's the unity we see in Acts 4 where everybody has enough. There's no needy person among them. Justice for all, in other words. It's the unity the psalmist writes about how good and pleasant it is, like precious oil used for anointing, plenty, plenty for everybody, enough free to go around. And what Jesus does with the one who doubts is instructive for us today. He reaches out to Thomas and to all of us and invites him to see and touch his wounds. And he is reaching out to us with his wounds to bring us together. May we have room in our faith to doubt, to inquire what others are saying about Jesus. May our skeptical inquiring faith lead us to the immovable. My Lord and my God, your Lord and your God. May it be so for all of us. Amen.